welcome to the third episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering. I'm your host, Foggy. With me as always, T-Bags. Hey, how's it going? And JPP. What up, what up? What's going on tonight, fellas? Not a whole lot. Happy to be here. This is what I look forward to all week, so uh, I'm ready to get into it. Yeah, same here. I've uh, had a pretty busy week and uh, was out in the heat yesterday filming a wedding with a buddy of mine and, uh, you know, kind of sweat myself to death and had this to look forward to. So I'm glad to be back in the AC and, and ready to chat about music. Awesome. Speaking of music, let's get right to it. Uh, last week, Tony issued a challenge. So, uh, Tony, what was the challenge? And then let's get to it. Yes. Okay. So the challenge was, uh, I'm a big fan of like cover songs. Um, and actually this, I told you Steve offline that <laughs> this is the hardest challenge that I've had yet because I made myself narrow something down and I'm horribly indecisive. So anyway, um, the challenge is that we wanted to know what your favorite cover song is and then a song that you'd like to see covered and by who. So who wants to kick it off? Uh, well, based on JPP's silence, I think I'll take <laughs> over. So, uh, yeah, <clears throat> I thought I, this week. Oh, Paul. No, no, I was going to say, yeah, please, please take it away. <laughs> okay. Um, I thought maybe uh, Alex Lifes and, and uh, Neil Peart and uh, Getty Lee could uh, cover something by Rush. That's <laughs> one drink tonight, folks. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so. Um, <laughs> This is kind of crazy because you issued this challenge, and I found this song after you issued the challenge. Um, to say it's my all-time favorite, I guess, is, you know, I don't know if it's going to stand the test of time. But, uh, Tony, I know you know that I've loved, you know, Jeff Buckley since the early 1990s. Um, oh, his yeah. voice. Obviously, he's become the hallelujah guy, even though, obviously, that was a cover of Leonard Cohen. <laughs> but... Um, he has a song that a lot of people don't know called Lover, You Should Have Come Over. It's an amazing song, um, beautiful vocals, and I, I don't think many people sing as well as, as Buckley did. Uh, obviously, he's passed now, but um, right. just something about him and his live performances were amazing. He truly was a talent. Um, and recently, over the past couple of years, I've become a huge fan of Nothing But Thieves, and their lead singer, Connor Mason, to me, is probably the best voice I think maybe I've ever heard. And um, uh-huh. one of their most popular songs is Lover, Please Stay, which is interesting that both you know, start with Lover and you know, it's kind of the same theme. But uh, Connor is a huge fan of Jeff Buckley. He covered Lover, You Should Have Come Over. And I never thought I would hear another oh. song um, by uh, another person other than Buckley singing his music that was better. And Connor Mason just nails it. It is absolutely amazing. And um, I think that may be my favorite cover at this point of all time. So, That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I just, it, it really is amazing. And I, and I know we'll put that in the comments, get a link to that yeah. song so everybody can check that out. That's pretty cool. I'm glad we do that because I, I have not heard that yet. And I love nothing but thieves too. Um, so very interested in that. Keep going. Okay. You know what, before I give my, what I want to hear, let's go over to Paul and hear what his favorite is. You know, um, I stewed on this for a while because there's just a ton of covers out there and, um, you know, not to get in the weeds, but 
anytime you hear a cover, it's it's hit or miss. There's some that just really nail it and do a nice job of reinterpreting the song and making it uh, kind of their own characteristic to that performer or band's signature sound. And there's those that just try to cover it verbatim, and it doesn't really take off for me. It just kind of feels a little lackluster in the grand, uh, in the big picture, I guess. But um, I, I, one of my favorite cover albums actually is for the masses where a handful of artists do Depeche mode songs. And um, there's tons of great ones on there. And if I had to pick any one song that stood out to me the most that took me by surprise, it was Mark Van Hoen doing A Master and Servant. Um, Because you hear that song originally, it's a little more upbeat, it's kind of straight ahead, it just kind of barrels through. But Mark turned it into kind of this sultry bossa nova with a female vocalist acting as a duet in it too. So it just really made it a lot more sensual of a song. And uh, and it just is really rich and full of, of deeper meaning than, than when I heard it originally from Depeche Mode, essentially. And I thought that, uh, you know, that was a prime example of somebody taking an original tune that went one direction and completely taking it into a whole new another field and and painting a, a picture that you never thought possible so uh two thumbs up on that one for sure yeah and add a third thumbs up for me because wow that whole that whole album is fantastic mm-hmm. and that truly is one of my favorite songs on there yeah so i man you know you and i have similar tastes on that kind of stuff but that is fantastic um yeah, you you want me to jump in with mine because it kind of plays off that, and then go back to the the next part of the challenge. Sure. Okay. Um, I'm with Paul. Sometimes I think that sometimes, uh, if they if it's covered too closely, it's like okay, that's great, but I like to see when there's a little bit more heart and soul put into it, like re reimagining it somewhat. Um, and you know there are definitely good covers out there like i mean if you haven't heard like pucifer do bohemian rhapsody or even those that that kids school that does 46 and 2 like those are fantastic covers but for me the two things that make a cover interesting are um one if it's completely different <laughs> and two if it's a pleasant surprise so um it's my challenge i can cheat so i cheated um <laughs> and i'm tea bags uh so uh anyway um so really, to be completely different, uh, let me come back to that one because that's my favorite one. The one that's a pleasant surprise, there's a band called Over the Rhine um, out mm-hmm. of Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. Very, you know, cool little kind of folksy band that I got turned on to um, back in the Ball State days. And completely, like, not even knowing that it happened until, you know, I was notified about it, they covered Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. Um with uh kim taylor and there's like one live video and that's it and it's only got like two thousand views it's like it's almost like that gem that you find in the discount bin (laughs) but you love it and uh so there's that that one was a surprise but the completely different one so i'm not belaboring this too long is that um when nine inch nails covered queen get down make love number one it was done at a time where nine inch nails wasn't even big yet so it was just a risk that they wanted to take you know this is how they saw it and um, it was, but at the same time, it added that same grittiness that I think happened, like what Paul was talking about with the master and servant. It like I feel like it served the song well. And I would, you can't take anything away from Queen. No one can outdo Freddie Mercury. But as far as the feel and the tone of the song, uh, "Get Down, Make Love" off the Sin single was totally it for me. I remember that. That was a great one. Yeah, absolutely. Well played. 
Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, I know Stevie? Over the Line, but I don't know that song, so. Well done. Uh, I'll have to look that up. It... Thanks. Okay, well, you want to move us into uh, who you think should cover what song, Steve? Yeah, I'm going to be really lame, because when I, when I heard that song, I instantly went to, what would happen if, if they did my favorite song of all time? And so... For my, I would like to see, it would be nothing but Thieves doing mayonnaise from Smashing Pumpkins. I can't imagine <laughs> what his vocals, yeah. you know, Billy's got that whiny thing that works so well for, for him, uh, mm-hmm. and it works great for the Pumpkins, but with this crystal clear, beautiful voice, I can't imagine what he would do to mayonnaise, so that would be my choice. Oh, I'm voting for that. I would love to hear that too. Paul? You know, um... You guys both know my tastes are certainly, I won't say left of center, but a lot of times when I have conversations with people across the board, it's, uh, you know, what kind of music are you into? And I list off some artists and they kind of scratch their head. I've never heard of them. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I know, Tony, you have the same um, taste as I do with, with this artist, Imogen Heap. Um, yes. I would love to hear her perform Lullaby by The Cure. Oh, <laughs> that's excellent. Just because you know how she loves to play with sounds, and I think she would just do a fantastic job of, A, singing you know Robert Smith's lyrics, but B, just the orchestration that she would put behind it would be phenomenal. Oh my gosh. Uh, you guys have great answers. I would go for both of those. Interesting note here. This is We didn't even plan this, but Imogen Heap and Nothing But Thieves have both covered Holding Out for a Hero for a soundtrack. Oh, no kidding. Yes. So wow. I think uh, Image and Heap was with Fru Fru doing it for uh, Shrek, and uh, Nothing But Thieves just did it recently, and I can't remember what the soundtrack's for, but it's on Spotify, and it's it's a great, like, melancholy version of it. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, slap myself in the face, song. too. I'm going to slap myself in the face only because I've watched Shrek with my daughter a handful of times recently, and I've heard that <laughs> song, and I didn't realize. Well, there you go. Wow. <laughs> Paul, we do this podcast so people are educated. So... <laughs> Even well, if it means we are educated. Exactly. <laughs> Clearly, I have a lot of uh, education that I need to have done to me. Um, okay, so I will jump in with mine. Um, you know, when I uh, back to the Nine Inch Nails and uh, Get Down, Make Love, like that served the song well. But I really liked when back in the day, I was totally taken away, taken aback by this, but Marilyn Manson covering Sweet Dreams, like mm-hmm. that was like a that was one of those top moments for me. Like, Oh my gosh, music can do this, you know? And then I saw it live and it was even better. But so I was thinking, what song do I really, really love, but I would like to see like flipped on its head and take on a darker tone. So I was thinking that kiss by Prince could be covered by tool. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just pictured it and it was just like, huh? That, that, that <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I don't you know, know how that, Maynard... that that can't possibly hold a candle to Tom Jones. <laughs> hey, try the steak. Yeah. <laughs> no, mm. That would be rad. I, I think yeah. um, you know any anything Maynard touches certainly takes a a, a turn for a, a completely different direction. So I, I think that could become a quite a creepy vibe if uh, played correctly. I. I would think so, but I really feel like I hope somewhere down the line someone hears our podcast and can make one of our three <laughs> suggestions happen because they're all gold. I think. Yeah, that would be really cool. <clears throat> Any final thoughts on this week's challenge? Um, no. Nope. I well, I've got one. I, I 
went through and listened to some stuff from uh you know previous cover songs and things just trying to uh come up with an answer and and there was an album that I bought off of iTunes randomly a few years ago. It came out back in 2008. Um, the artist's name is Adam. It's A-D-E-M. Um, the album's called Takes, and it's it's all covers. Um, stuff I've never heard before on there, uh, but it's mostly acoustic and um, some interesting uh, you know, arrangements as well. He even does an Aphex Twin cover on there, which is pretty cool. Mm. Um, it's what, what song was it? Uh, to cure a weakling child actually. And it's kind of done in an indie folk vibe. Uh, so if you have a chance, we'll put a link in the show notes as well, but you know, please check it out because there's some really cool tunes on there. Yeah. That's it's great. interesting. You mentioned the cure, um, on Instagram, Billy just re- mentioned recently that you know, he's friends with Robert Smith and everything. And so I instantly went to what if the pumpkins, um, uh, had maybe covered like love song. Or, or oh, picture you or something like that. I think would have been uh, a cool choice as well. Nice. Yeah, I think we need to do a whole show <laughs> on covers because that leads me to like that. That leads me to a diary of a love song where Poose or not Poose for a perfect circle did a mashup of um, love song and diary of a madman. Oh, nice. Yeah, that, I walked into the arena when I, the first time I saw them, and that's what they were playing, and so you know, sold. but anyway we could talk forever on covers definitely but this seems like a a pretty good time to mention the winner of last week's challenge we opened it up uh, to anybody listening and we did have a winner uh, Steve Meadows he uh, presented the Foo Fighters performing the Who's Young Men Blues that was his favorite cover of all time and then he would like to see uh, Blind Melons Toes Across the Floor uh performed by Chevelle. So he is our first winner of one of our contests. So congratulations to Steve Meadows. You've won a new car courtesy of T-Bags. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> card, card with a D. Sorry about that. <laughs> Thanks. My bad. Typo. <laughs> yes. That's no. a big typo. It, yeah. A $20 gift card uh, to Amazon sponsored by Small Giants. So um, we should keep something, you know, info at wanderingsandwoolgatherings.com is somewhere you can send info to. So we'll make sure we get that card over to him. Fantastic. Okay. So that brings us to what we have now promised for two weeks. No, it's not a new Rush album. There's another drink. <laughs> drink. And uh, it's actually Apex Twin. We've been talking about it now for two weeks. And um, the five-song EP is officially out. We have listened, and we are ready to talk about it. And I think we'll kick it over to Paul because you are the synth man, and this should be right up your alley. So, Paul, what'd you think? Well, you know, uh, anything that Aphex Twin comes out with, I'm, I'm eager to listen to it. Um, first off, what do you guys think of the song titles? Do you think they're catchy and, and uh, easy to remember? <laughs> <laughs> if you're a robot. The first 44. <laughs> yeah. Hit singles, Abundance 10 Edit, Bracket 2R8s, FC20, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And I think... <clears throat> Pardon me. I, I think Richard D. James likes to name things based off of which take that he's done. Um, things get multiple run-throughs and, and uh, performances to, to kind of massage and make the, the song the way he wants it and whatnot. But, um, you know, given the history of, of Aphex Twin and even Analog Bubble Bath and some of the early days of, of his comp- compositions, it's, you know, all very 
you know, lengthy rhythm cycles. There's layers of, of sounds and tones that just kind of generate and, and uh, the rhythms are very complex and, and overlapping when, <laughs> you know, for, for the crowd out there, when, when I told uh, Steve that it was up live for listening, he said, I'll check it out when I mow the yard. I mm-hmm. kind of replied something to the effect of may the line stay straight in your yard, remain symmetrical <laughs> at, while listening, just because that's that's kind of how the music goes. Yeah. Um, you know, with this, it, I kind of feel like he's taking a step towards the early days. Um, some of his more recent albums uh back when i was in college he came out with drucks that was a two cd set and it had uh textured piano pieces and and some real i guess for lack of a better way to say it lovely compositions just kind of moody melodic pieces mixed with aggressive drums and gritty little vocal samples here and there there's one where he mentions i'm in control of the drum machine and uh, just kind of showing people that hey you know he's the king when it comes to doing some crazy stuff but this just kind of plays on rhythms and and just goes and develops and and continues on and i think that uh each song tends to have its own kind of set of themes and it just plays off of those and there's not really a a consistency where the the album the ep rather sounds like one uh continuous take it definitely sounds like each song is its own unique character and uh he just plays on all of those uh the the first track t69 collapse uh if you've seen the video you know that the video plays with the rhythm and actually moves to the the pulsating beats as it goes into the second second section there's certainly a lot of crazy like speed ups and slowdowns and and things like that and that's just how he rolls he loves to really play with gestures across the board and uh for those that like a catchy rhythm and you know a little beat to tap their toes to this is going to be an acquired taste but you know if you want to try something different and really get into some electronic music that steps outside of the fold of just dancing then i highly recommend it yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> That's Paul. He's the synth man for sure. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure, Paul, you could probably even dive in and talk about like what he's using and stuff like that. So I think at some point in time, we do need to bring your expertise in on things like that. Um, to- so- Totally. I, I tried to hold back because I already went long enough. <laughs> oh, I know. It's tough. I feel like we could talk forever on these things. So before I jump in, Paul, what is your um, rating out of five? I'm going to give it a four. And the only reason I give it a four is because I felt like when I was listening to it, um, I did find myself getting a little distracted. Um, and it's not because the stuff's terrible, but I just felt like some of the stuff started, the, the cycles and the themes just started, kind of started to play along a, a little longer. And, you know, maybe it's just my attention span. The, the songs average five to six minutes. So, you know, it's it certainly uh, tunes that, that don't, play the two minute radio friendly vibe for sure but uh you know i don't know if that's me and if i just need to give it a few more listens and and kind of pick segments that that stand out over the last cycle and things like that but um you know it's it's still great and you know it's always fun to to hear him come out with something new and and uh especially in the world where there's a lot of things that sound very similar yeah okay um i'll make mine quick i mean i i love Aphex twin but you know full disclosure it's like uh probably just i dabble in apex twin you know like totally appreciate what he does and uh he's been around for a long time and he's the king of of his style um but it's not always something i i go to so it was refreshing though to get a new ep from him and listen to the the new music loved the video um i think that was such a cool way of like blending you know 
like modern glitch art with VR looking stuff. Um, and the song fit really well with that. So that was, that was perfect. And that was a good lead off. Um, I'm just going to go down the run real quick. I tried to listen to it as one whole thing. Cause I feel like after Steve was talking about playlists and artists are putting things out, I do, I do feel like I should give it its due and listen to it straight through. So, um, on that first 44, it reminded me of two things. One, um, you need to wear headphones when you're listening to Aphex Twin <laughs> because you're, mm-hmm. you're not going to get the tones uh, or the panning and all that stuff out of uh, cheap equipment. And then um, it also sounds like being inside of a Tron game if the battle was based on head spinning on cardboard. So, uh, which, you know, obviously that's a good thing. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it went into whatever that is, MT1T29R2. <laughs> um, and I liked it. I liked how it started off. Good droning sounds and things like that. But um, I was with you, Paul. Like, by the third song in, I was kind of starting to be like, okay, where's the, where's the break for me? My, my mind wanted to break. So there was a little bit around the 340-ish mark uh, of a good sound. But throwing back to one of his other albums, there's a track called Avril 14 or something like that, Avril 13. Yeah. Uh, very, like different from all of this stuff just very soft ambient and i feel like that this would have been a good place to bring that in anything uh that just broke up that stuff because then moving on abundance which by itself was a good song but by the time being the fourth song um, of Aphex twin it was starting to get repetitive to me uh the last song how do you pronounce that pathix <laughs> i don't know yeah uh, it's uh i liked that one um i did like that one a lot and it had a like a had a vibe to me like if someone was in the room watching Halloween on TV and someone else was watching like Battlestar Galactica on their iPad and you're hearing both of those sounds at the same time had that kind of vibe but um I almost wish this track was in the middle just to give me that break and uh but you know part of the art I think is that the artist needs to say hey this track goes here this goes here and that whole like track listing and how it flows so I went by how he did it and um Solid effort, but for me, it was a three out of five. Cool. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of fell <clears throat> in line with Tony as far as the, the score of three. And I did listen uh, with headphones because I knew it was going to be important to get the full effect. Um, I, I felt like a lot of the songs kind of felt the same. Um, but the one that really stood out for me was Abundance. Mm-hmm. And it felt like, especially with the person coming in and making the comments, that it was almost a perfect soundtrack to a sci-fi fantasy movie. Um, I could totally see that uh, walking me through a movie, and I really dug that. So that was the song, I think, that stood out to me the most, other than um, Collapse, which, you know, had the video accompanying that to begin with, which I thought was really cool. Um, But, yeah, Abundance stood out. Three out of five. Um, yeah, I just I don't have a lot to say. I think I just prefer more lyrics, lyric-driven music. So for me, it's kind of a stretch to really get into this kind of music. I like it. I appreciate it. It's definitely not something that I would like to listen to all the time. But I think if you hit me with one of these songs here and there mixed throughout, I think I would love it. So as a whole, listening straight through a three. Oh, cool. You know, with uh, with Apex Twin, like, hence the acquired taste. You know, some of the earlier stuff in the mid '90s, like "Come to Daddy," where it certainly had you know some popularity. That's where I think a lot of the crowd picked up on him. 
just because it was gritty it it did have a hook and it had you know kind of some contemporary flair that that stood out and, and brought him to the main the forefront if you will and then you know i feel like he he as an artist certainly wants to do what he wants to do and uh you know his his evolution involves a lot of the tech the technical aspect of it and a lot of the gear and just really you know, creating something that makes sense for him. I mean, I, I don't know him personally, so I'm just kind of speculating, of course. But, um, you know, I think there's there's sides of, of Richard D. James that many of us want. There's the come to daddy era where there's, you know, something that has a, a hook and a vibe. And then there's those that definitely appreciate his ability to create something completely abstract and, and uh, out of the norm, too. So, uh, we'll see what the future holds for him. Hopefully, he'll do some some of both sides and and kind of keep playing on on uh, you know either side of the coin, if you will. Yeah, I mean, and I, I hope no one takes the three out of five as us thinking that we underappreciate him. I mean, no, the no. dude's got talent for days. I mean, yeah. I just like Steve said, it's one of those things where, I uh, you know, if I listen to it, I, I'm listening to it and I love it, but mm-hmm. to to have it in front of me all the time is a little bit rough sometimes. But I'm and like you said, Paul, I think you know going back to how he maybe could mix both things and not for anybody else, but for himself. But I think that a wider fan base would uh, keep following him. Yeah, totally. Excellent. So Stevie, do you want to um, review since you're our smashing pumpkins aficionado? Um, and I know they released silvery sometimes. So it's silvery called? sometimes. And then in parentheses ghosts. Um, okay. But ghost is the, the word that appears in the song. So Perhaps yes. that's the most important part. Uh, did anybody else listen to it? Did you have a chance to yet? I did. You did listen yes. to it? Tony? I did not. Excellent. Yeah. Tony, did you like it? Well, I loved it. I really did. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of want, I have thoughts on it, but I kind of want you to go first because this, this is your thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, think, I think they missed an opportunity. I think that should have been the song that they led with rather than Solara. Um, you know, they come back, the, the group's back together, obviously, minus Darcy, but essentially the, the key components are back together. They're going on this huge tour. Um, this song, which I liked far better than Solara, was the second song released, and it did not appear in concert, which, which uh. also was interesting. Um, I, I just like this one. I thought it was a little more melodic. I liked the lyrics better. It kind of felt like, to me, Going back to the uh, uh, Machina days, or even when he did mm-hmm. his project with Zwan, I thought it had that kind of a feel as well, which for me is a great thing because I love that album uh, before they, right. they broke up. Um, but I think they missed an opportunity. This should have been the song that they led with, and I think they would have, uh, I think people would have embraced them returning far more than Solara, which I think came across as just kind of a generic rock song. And uh, didn't really uh-huh. grab that pumpkin vibe nearly like this one does. So this has not been played live that you know of? Oh, I'm sure it has, but it didn't get in the concert that I saw. Okay. Yeah, I mean, obviously you nailed it. Uh, it I think it is the better of the two songs. Um, and I do think it hits in that era that you're talking about. I also think it like throws back even further than that in a way. Like it kind of bridges something from even earlier into that Zwan face. Um, but it just seemed solid to me. It didn't feel like, you know, some people want to just go back and recreate, like, what did we do and how did we sound and how do we get that back out? You know, it felt like it was inspired. Um, 
and that they were clicking again as they did as a band. And this is what comes out when they do, you know? So, um, I mean, I, I give it a four and a half out of five because most of the times I, I will listen to something. And even if I'm appreciating it, there's just so much music out there. It doesn't get heavy rotation right away. And, uh, this, this kind of just got stuck in my playlist and every time it comes up, it doesn't get skipped. Um, and I, and I'm a lyric guy too. And I feel like it's like Billy's got some solid poetry and I feel like that bled into this. So, um, four out of five, four and a half out of five for me. I would agree. I think that's a perfect score for it. Um, I hope the rest of the EP comes out and it's as solid as this. And I, I really like following Jimmy Chamberlain on uh, Instagram and Twitter. He All his positives are so... Uh, I'm sorry. All of his posts are so positive. <laughs> and uh, it just seems like the band is clicking. They're getting along. And I'm hoping that this is going to lead to uh, some more music in the future. And as they you know, kind of bond together, maybe we can... You know, hit that sweet spot like we did back in the day. I hope so. So totally. All right, yeah. Paul. Were you a were you a Pumpkins fan? Just real quick. I know you didn't review the song, but do you like Smashing Pumpkins? Yeah, yeah. And I, this one just kind of slipped under my radar. I, I missed it, so I will definitely give it a listen and, and give a quick uh, blurb next week. But um, yeah, you know, when I was uh, working the record stores back in the day, Melancholy was the the album that was uh, flying off the shelves. And I sold, you know, many copies. And actually, I probably had two or three of my own where, uh, you know, wore the CDs out and they got scratched slipping out of the case and in between the seats of the car and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. So, um, yep. yeah, I've always respected the songwriting, the guitar sounds, you know, the the whole gamut. It's um, I'm, I'm glad to see that they're back. And, um, you know, kind of based off what Steve's saying with the, the dynamics and the vibe that he's hearing, it's it'd be nice to see that, uh, you know, this lasts a while. For sure. Excellent. Um, speaking of a while, the Eminem uh, MGK relationship <laughs> seems like that's been going pretty smoothly. Uh, <laughs> so you, you guys yeah. went away in a little bit. Eminem uh, came back <laughs> with uh, Kill uh, Shot, his response to uh, MGK's response to his. So this could go on for a while. Who knows? But what do you guys think of this response? Yeah. Um... I have so much to say about this. I will try to keep it brief, but you know, I, I, I've spoken with both of you guys about this, but I came up through that whole East coast, West coast thing with Pac and Biggie and all that stuff. So, you know, diss tracks and rap battles and things like that. Like, I mean, it, this is what America does. We like this kind of stuff, right? Um, we don't want to see people get killed over it, but this has been an interesting one because this was, um, Almost like, you know, the kid trying to overthrow the dad type thing. But you're going against Eminem. And at first, this, you know, this diss track called Kill Shot, um, it seemed to me like M was holding back a little bit at first. And I think he still is. I think he's got some more stuff in his back pocket just in case one more comes out. But um, the more that I got into it, and I, I have spent way too many hours, like, watching reactions and reading stuff and listening to the song over and over and over again. But... It is layered. There are so many things in this. Um, Steve, do you remember the line where he says that's the only time you hold still? Yes. Well, people were saying, too, like, that's M playing on words. That's the only time you hold steel, like a gun, and not just still. But And then when he's talking about, like, I don't know if you caught that, but when he's talking about, like, the only thing that's changed the locks, and before I do this disc, I'm going to give Jade a kiss. Jade a kiss from the locks, and the Eminem's locks have changed from 
blonde to brown. <laughs> I mean, there's just, uh, you can go through every single line almost, and he's either addressing something directly that MGK said, or he's dissing him on his own, and in a way that only M can do. So, oh man, I don't even know where to... I don't know where to start this. I don't know where to end it. So I'm just going to say like, um, also the whole idea that he brought Diddy into this. Um, now at the end, and, and we talked about this through text, but at the end when he says, you know, I'm just kidding. You know, I love you. He says that twice in other songs. He says it in kill you. He says, I'm just playing ladies. You know, I love you. And he also says, just kidding America. You know, I love you in white America, both times in songs where he clearly doesn't give a crap about anything, you know? So it's the most sarcastic, like, just kidding, in my opinion. And the reason that I think that bringing Diddy into this isn't necessarily a bad thing is um, Diddy had to sign off on MGK doing this, you know? That's his boss. And if anybody knows where rap beefs can lead, it's, it's Diddy. And so he gave the green light for this video to be made, and that's what Eminem references to in his comeback. But uh, so I I think that he's fair game in that. You know what I mean? He he could have said no, we're not doing that. This is not the this is not the path we're going to take. But he let MJK MGK go, and in my opinion, um, I, as much as I thought this was a little bit softer of a track than I thought he was going to get, it's still. It still should shut him down, even though MGK came back and said that he thinks it's trash in in so many words or emoticons or whatever. But um, anyway, what do you think, Steve? Because I know you're big on this stuff too. Uh, <clears throat> ditto. <laughs> no, I have you're, you're, you're dead on. And just you know, he's got those clever things, but then uh, you know he comes back with just straight up funny lines about being I'd rather be an 80 year old me than 20 year old you right um, just just little slaps to the face and um I, th- I thought one of the things that was so smart is you know prior to this one when MGK came at him and talks about his bad albums that he had and talks about how he's not he hasn't been good since he got sober and all that kind of stuff well Eminem admits he's had three bad albums right. he just takes the power away from him you know, yeah. I mean, if he admits it, well, I can't use it anymore because it doesn't hurt him. So yeah. what does he have now to come back with? So I I don't know. It's just Eminem being super smart again. And I think, uh, unfortunately, I think MGK thinks that like 8 Mile is just like a f- fiction film. And of course, there's embellishments taken, but Eminem came up doing those rap battles, you know, and I and it obviously probably wasn't the exact raps that happened, but the idea that he will say what he wants to say, that he'll win a crowd over and he'll go to any lengths to win and take away, like you just said, okay, calling me old. Well, I'm 45 and I'm still selling more than you, you know, and, and saying, Hey, dad's not mad, son. You know, I mean, just like, (laughs) uh, what are you going to do? But I think where he really wins and then I'll try to shut up as much as possible. But I think where he really wins is you cannot compete with Eminem style wise. I went back and listened to MGK, which I, I liked his track when he put it out of uh, Rap Devil, but it was pretty much the same style the whole way through and not as clever. And then you you wait for him to come back and then you're like, oh yeah, that's why he is the king, you know? Because not only do the words mean something, but the flow changes, the the tone changes, the voice changes, everything. He can do whatever he wants, in my opinion, I think. 
Yeah, so Paul, follow that up. Yeah, you know, um, as an expert in this field, let me tell you, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like it's it's funny because you know here I am with Avex Twin, and then I get to Eminem, and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to sit silently. But no, um, you know, I I listened to the the track, and I thought you know it was very clever the way things came back around too. Um, of course, you have your face value jabs about you know you're named after a gun, but you have a man bun and and things yeah. like that. And I was watching Eight Mile on my Nordic track, um, you know. <laughs> I just felt like, like you said, as I'm becoming more opened to the world of Eminem and, and what he's able to do, um, you hit it on the head. MGK's track definitely was very linear, um, consistent flow. Um, mm-hmm. Eminem even calls him out for the auto-tune segments, which yes. is, you know, something that's always been a peeve of mine. I mean, it, it turns me into a crotchety old man. It's just not a sound that I'm, I'm a fan of and I don't use it. Um mm-hmm. Although I like vocoder, that's a topic for another year. But um, <laughs> the, what what M did was exactly right. Like there was certain flows, there was certain voices, and it it just it turned into a story with multiple characters telling that yep. story. And I felt like you know he was just putting all these different perspectives into one cohesive thought. So mm-hmm. um, you know that said that that's kind of where he wins to me as well is because of the fact that not only can he you know create a rebuttal but he can tell it from a lot of different sides so um yep you know i was i was really impressed yeah me too and i and i think it's the better song actually like if i had to just if i didn't care about the words if i had to listen to him i would listen to m's over mgk's i think mm-hmm. but um so here's my question to you guys and then you can weigh in more if you want or we can get off this topic but do you think the mgk responds again and if so if so does eminem should he respond again? Yeah. Uh, it's really weird. You know, I thought when he first did it, and I think I even told you this, Tony, I thought it was so smart um, because uh-huh. the publicity that you get, you know, they always say there's no such thing as bad publicity. Right. So instantly he was on everybody's tongue. I mean, everybody that is even aware of this is talking about it and they're listening to him now. I mean, I'm sure that he got more listens for Rap Devil than anything else he's probably ever done. Sure. Um, it just seemed like such a smart move in the in the beginning, but now is he going to get buried? <laughs> right. I, I don't know. And it seems like I, I don't know what he comes back with, and maybe he'll come back with something super clever. But I can't imagine that M can't come back and <laughs> counter just as effectively. So I'm afraid maybe he's bit off more than he can chew. That's I what I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Because. Uh, there's some line in there talking about he basically had to oh he says you have to uh i'm looking at the lyrics now he says give your life to be a solidified and basically like you know hey your name's going to be solidified in the books but you're giving up your career and like ja rule did you know so there's there's so much to dive into and uh the internet has so many reaction videos on this uh if you have a spare 18 hours (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> dive in but uh yeah i'm interested to see what happens i don't know i don't know how long m should keep doing it i mean he's obviously getting listens too but at some point in time you know he's not going to benefit as much as yeah. mgk is so, well let's get to the true um you know heart of the matter on the internet today uh R- richard marks announced that he was working on a diss track about kenny loggins you know <laughs> yeah. um you know that's on twitter so if you guys want to follow on on that story keep me posted i'm, I'm looking forward to that yes. 
Uh, well, speaking did, of that, Paul, that is next week's episode. <laughs> yeah. I'll be breaking down Richard Marks, and Tony will have Kenny Loggins. It's going to be fantastic. Did Sweet. Kenny Loggins, did he write uh, Danger Zone? Write or perform or both? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Is yeah. he affiliated yeah. with Danger Zone? <laughs> yes. In any way? Okay. Yes, I believe that yeah. is him. Doesn't All he right. love a rainy night? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, no, that was maybe some <laughs> I don't know, but uh, anybody that, anybody that uh, can get their headspace into uh, the Danger Zone... I think they're going to win. So, right. <laughs> anyway, just my Tony, I'm going to give you the last word on this whole Eminem thing, and then we are moving on to Paul's challenge before okay. we find out what we're listening to. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I guess the last word I would say is probably, you know, pull up the lyrics on Genius, watch the MGK video side by side, look how many times Eminem can pull something out. I mean, even when Paul said something about like the, you know, the cheesy little lines about the man bun. Well, that's right up top a counter to your beard's weird from MGK, you know, and the fact that he was holding a shovel and M can bring that in and say you're digging your own grave. Um, I, that my last word is just encouraging everybody <laughs> to that doesn't mind a few curse words here and there to go in and check uh, the response. That's it. Boom. Cool. All right. Uh, Paul. You are up this week with the new challenge, so what is it going to be? This is a challenge for myself, too. Um, so, in music, we have eras, we have styles that last for decades, uh, you know, classical music, things like that. You have your greats that are legendary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you have, you know, in, in pop and rock music, artists from the 50s, 60s, so on and so forth. So, here's the thing. There are musicians that get interviewed all the time and they will say you know this particular artist or this band this musician this is the reason I do what I do and you know I'm trying to find uh, a common response to that of course the challenge is this take the Beatles out of the equation because there's a lot of bands that say you know if the Beatles didn't exist we wouldn't have what we have today musically Mm-hmm. What artist to you makes that type of impact on music today? You know, again, without the Beatles in mind. So, you know, musician X played such a role in their era of music that you see it commonly uh, in today's music, or, or you know, you see that impact and how it, it kind of created that chain reaction, that butterfly effect. Does that make sense? Absolutely, I love it. <laughs> Now I'm confused, Paul. My head hurts. This is going to kill me this week. <laughs> Steve, well, you realize I have to Kenny write Logan's. papers for my master's, right? What's that? I'm sorry. <laughs> I said you realize I have to write essays for my master's. Oh, no, I didn't. Well, you know, this will, this will be a good topic for your master's. Uh, good luck. Yeah. Oh. Fantastic. Uh, Steve's answer is Kenny Logan's. Got it. Just so you know. Um, well, yeah. There will be no need for episode four. We will skip directly to episode five and my new challenge. Yes, after you unanimously decide on Kenny Loggins. Um, no, Paul, that's a great challenge, and uh, I, won't yeah, reveal any, I won't reveal any details, but um, we were driving back from southern Indiana today, and I was talking about just that topic in, in, in a different form. But um, So, like, my wheels have already been turning on that, and uh, I can't wait to answer that one. That's a great one. Cool. I already have my answer. I'm not joking. Sweet. Good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome we will get to that challenge next week i cannot wait but now let's find out what everybody's listening to this week uh paul what's on the playlist 
I have been going back in the rabbit hole uh, from the late 90s, and uh, I pulled up a, a project called Uncle, or U-N-K-L-E. It's uh, DJ Shadow and James Lavelle. Uh, their, their album, Science Fiction, it's got a lot of really cool textured beats. Tom York makes an appearance, um, and there's some cameos in there and whatnot, some good vocals, some good hip-hop, and, and kind of some intermingling of various styles but uh it's nice gritty blast from the past yeah that's a great i remember uncle actually does that stand for anything i don't know um you know you think i would go and take a look on the internet let me google that for myself but uh when i first when it first came out you know that was definitely pre um you know internet the way it is today essentially so uh Uh i never really you know looked into it. It, was, it i liked the mystery of that you know what i mean where you just kind of left it to the intrigue and you could kind of interpret it for yourself so um maybe we'll know next week we'll look it up sounds good cool tony um well this whole uh eminem thing kind of threw me into uh i've been <laughs> listening a lot to uh till i'm gone by yellow wolf which mm. i don't know if you've heard him or not but he's great yes. and he's actually signed with M. And MGK mentions him about, you know, not being able to be on his track. So it's relevant, but I also, I love that song till I'm gone anyway, which then led me down the rabbit hole to, um, blasphemy by Tupac when he was Machiavelli. Um, I don't, Tupac died on September 13th of 1996. So this is his, unfortunately, this is his death month. And, uh, he obviously speaking of people that kind of led the game and changed music a little bit, I think Tupac had a voice that will go on forever. Um, so that's it. Blasphemy by Machiavelli and uh, Till I'm Gone by Yellow Wolf. Sweet. Very good. I was actually, I, I kind of was thinking about the challenge and it led me to, um, I kept thinking who, I, I want to find somebody, I, the song Love Removal Machine from the cult kept coming uh-huh. back. So of course I went and started listening to that. So that took me back to 85 and then I, remembered oh yeah they had dream time in 84 it was right after they were the southern death cult you know all that kind of stuff i don't know if you guys have listened to it most of the people who know the cult probably didn't pick up until what was it uh 90 91 when they had you know sonic temple uh Mm -hmm. came out and that's when they got really popular but the album dream time from 1984 has some absolutely incredible songs uh the native american themes uh songs like spirit walker and another one that I almost thought of to be cover was Bad Medicine Waltz. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but uh, yeah. Ian Asprey's voice on it is so good. Um, so anyway, cool. I've been listening to a lot of The Cult this week, mainly those two records. Sweet. Solid stuff. You guys should check it out if you haven't already. Definitely. I will definitely check that out. And then to follow up, um, I just did a quick search while we were chatting here. It looks like the um, acronym for UNCLE was more of a, a style than it was any kind of phonetic meaning or any kind of acronym so uh they are also known as uncle sounds so that wraps it up we don't have to follow it up next week okay <laughs> oh, thank God. that was going to push us over the edge on time <laughs> that's right uh good stuff awesome um so <clears throat> i don't think we have anything specifically planned for next week we got to dig in and find out what's being released and uh paul where can we find you? You can find me at justplainpaul.com or if you go to the other places on the internet, such as Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, justplainpaul, all one word. I'm easy to find. Awesome, Tony. I am now accepting emails um, at <laughs> tony at wanderingsandwoolgatherings.com. 
also accepting snail mail, smoke signals, and carrier pigeons. Sweet. I just purchased. <laughs> Great. <thanks. laughs> did, did you get my carrier pigeon? I sent that last week. Oh, sorry. I thought that was dinner. <laughs> I'll go back and look for the note. That's fresher than Blue Apron. <laughs> hey, uh, so you can find me, Foggy's Pal, at Twitter and on Instagram and writing, editing over at um, breaktheforth.com. So next week, look forward to our challenge from Paul and uh, whatever else in the way of shenanigans we can come up with. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.